If I could attention. Church family, everybody listening here in the, in the auditorium, we're going to start our class. Uh, is that 459 current or are we starting pretty soon? Oh, right there. This is the time. Okay, we're going to start in a few seconds. So uh, even if you're still standing, I'm going to start in 30 seconds. Okay? Well, good morning, church family, and to those online listening to the class. From what I've been told, the class downstairs is, uh, is also meeting here because our time is very short. They're long-winded preacher in the worship service, so they, I've been told I have about 20 or 25 minutes. So the class in the fellowship room is joining us, joining us, and there will be others in the foyer who probably walk out. This will make it very challenging to have any kind of dialogue between us. I know that. Um, it, it really puts the onus not so much on me to speak, but on you to listen without anybody else talking. That's really challenging for, a, for anybody in the class. When I sit in a classroom, I want to be able to say a few words. And in this sort of venue, we just can't. So with that in mind, what I want to do today is I want to start I want to call it a series, and it really is a series. It's a series on knowing God. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have the information. No, I don't. Um, I don't know if you've ever read A.W. Tozer, but uh, he wrote a book in 1948 called The Pursuit of God. It is a classic, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful writing and you would do well to get the copy and read it, not once, not twice, but read it multiple times, The Pursuit of God. I also saw uh, a few weeks ago a um, video series by Dr. Tony Evans, and I think he called the series The Power of Knowing God. And between those two thoughts, between Evans, uh, much um, younger than the older Tozier, uh, I thought we would put together four or five or six Sunday morning classes that I think will carry us through this year until 2021. Uh, normally, I only, obviously this is the exception, I only uh, turn to Scripture and have a textual study, but sometimes topical studies are good, and of course we'll use Scripture. But I thought we would, we would look at this, because my question when I was reading Tozer, hearing Evans and others is, how? I mean, I know God, but I'm missing something here. How can I know God more intimately? You could use your spouse as a good example, and I think I'll do that later on, but in case I forget, I met Debbie in 19, didn't meet her. I met her when she was three years old. That's when I met her, but all I knew was that she was the little Debbie Sykes of the Sykes family, and I was all of six. 
big brother was eight, and he was the one I was wanting to hang out with. And my big brother, Gary, was eight. So, uh, but I knew Debbie. I've known her her whole life. She lived literally just around the corner from me. When I went off in the military in, in December of 68, I had finished one year of college, wasn't working for me. You know, sometimes you just got to grow up a little bit. So as a teenager, I joined up, uh, you know, during the height of Vietnam and found myself overseas. I didn't come back home for three and a half years. I mean, it was one of those, you know, multiple, they call it, consecutive uh, overseas tours. Anyway, when I finally did get home, this little girl was now at Lovett Christian College. She was 19, but she looked entirely different from what I remembered. And I wanted to get to know her, not her name, and forgive the crudeness, not knowing the biblical sense of Adam who knew Eve. That would come later. But I wanted to know her, know more about her, not about Lonnie and Patrice and Jack of Virginia, her family, about her. Sometimes we have this superficial knowing, knowledge, information of, of each other and of God. There are those who know God philosophically. I've read their works. Many unbelievers, you may find this as a shock. I did when I discovered it eons ago, that there are some commentators of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament scholars, who know the original languages very well. And they approach this morning, we talked about interpretation and application. They have the former down. They're in the ivory towers, but they don't believe. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in Christ as their Savior. And so you can read their commentaries, read their work, and you can walk away thinking, okay, the uh, temple was dedicated in 950 B.C. because Dr. So-and-so led me. Okay, you can, you can garner information from them, but you'll never know how to apply it based on their writings or their life. There are those who simply know God philosophically, and then there are those who know God somewhat informationally. Now, that would be all of us to some degree, there are those who study the Bible. You know, they, they, um, they enjoy the study of the text, and they read it. They can, might even, might even um, be able to recite certain passages. Always think of John 3, 16, and football games, and I suspect the person who wrote it can recite it, I, and, and I'm not doubting their faith. I'm just saying that anybody can write John 3, 16 on a, on a billboard and put it up. And then there are those, I think now we're getting closer to home, there are those who know God religiously. We're here. I mean, you know, we had a good turnout for our worship pre-pandemic. We'll have 500 people here. Um, we've got this adult class. You could be doing anything rather than having a class. I mean, you could be having a brunch somewhere with your family before the Baptists do their thing. You know, that's, that's a joke from yesteryear. Kind of falls on deaf ears now. I actually heard it from a Baptist, you know. Come on, somebody laugh, you know. <laughs> on, if you're listening online, it's a joke. I want you to laugh. I'd probably hear you as easily as I hear them. Anyway, uh, you could be doing something other than sitting here listening to this. You're here for a reason. You're here because you already know 
God. And I think you know him quite well. But there are those who, who can say grace at, at a meal, say the blessing for the meal, and they attend Sunday services. And then there are those who yearn, I think like A.W. Tozer, Tony Evans, you, me, a host of others. There are those who want to know God intimately. And God wants you to know him intimately. The word yada is in the Old Testament, which was written primarily in Hebrew, a few chapters in Aramaic. And the word, the verb means to know, infinitive, to know. And it's used well over a thousand times in the Old Testament. And we're going to read through some of these passages. It doesn't mean to to know on a surface level. It means to absolutely know the person or whatever you're trying to know. It, another word, another synonym is perceive. You can't perceive something unless you have more information. So the word know is used repeatedly. Um, let, let's read some of these. Actually, this is, this is our key text. For, for today, and I may continue this next Sunday, it just depends upon the time. Um, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Talk about this morning, what I said, when God is kicked out, when God is deleted from our public discourse. You know, I used to hear about God, I know you did too. I'm older than probably most, younger than some of you, but we've heard, I've heard God used all the time when I was growing up. And in the military, I would hear God used all the time. And I don't mean bad language, I'm just talking about it in, in conversation. You never take to war without somehow invoking God's blessing and God's presence. You don't do it whether you fly a jet, or whether you're a, a surgeon, or whether you're a lawyer, or whether you chaplain or whether you're the engineer or no matter what you do in today's military when you're deployed God becomes pretty important to your life I know I can tell you firsthand these young men and women want to hear more about this they don't glory in their own might you would think well now they you know they train 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 of course keep in mind that I come from the aviator side but these guys trained all the time they trained all the time. I mean, if they weren't in war, they were in training. There's never a middle ground. No matter what you did, you're always in training. <clears throat> and so therefore, you feel like you're very qualified. God reminds Jeremiah, thus says the Lord. This is what God says. Let not the wise man, the intellect, we're not going to parse intellect you know, knowledge and wisdom. We're going to group it together. Let not the wise man glory. Another word to be used there is boast. Let not the smart person boast in his intellect. All right? Let not the mighty man boast in his strength, his might. Let not the rich man boast or glory in his riches. Now, that pretty well covers everything. The intellect, the strength of the man, and the wealth of the man. I use man generically, men and women. 
Now, here's what God says. But let him who glories, if, you, if, you, if you're going to boast and brag, don't brag about your intellect. It's very unbecoming of God's, of God's child. In your, in your discipline, in your area of work, if you have to, you have to. There were occasions, here's a rabbit, there were occasions, especially in the Corinthian letters, where Paul was forced to boast, and he calls it foolishness. 2 Corinthians, where he was forced to defend his apostolic authority. And you could tell in the writing, he hated to do that. I don't want to do that. You're forcing me to do that. There are those who say, I'm not an apostle of Christ. If you believe I'm not an apostle of Christ, you will dismiss the word that I write to you, and the word is from the Holy Spirit. So on, for your sake, I'm going to have to brag a bit right now. And he did so. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if you brag, don't brag about your intellect, very unbecoming. Don't brag about your might, your power, very unbecoming in an important man, important woman. And don't brag about how much money you have. Don't brag about your stuff. Why? Because you're talking to God. He owns everything. He created your intellect. We're like grasshoppers next to him. He created whatever strength you have. He can take it away as well as he gave it. So don't glory in any of that stuff. When you brag, this is what God wants us to brag about. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. What are we to know about the Lord? What does God want us to really understand, perceive, yada. What does God want you to really know? This is it. I practice, God, I practice steadfast love. We talk about the word love all the time. I've even underlined it. But look at the, look at the, uh, look at the adjective. What kind of love? It's not wit's love. You know, what, I mean, hopefully I can, I can have some agape and divine love, but I also am human, and so sometimes I simply love really, really, really well this day, and I don't quite love as well the next day. That's not true with God. God is steadfast. What was the chant? What was the chant that the um, Jews chanted when God sent his fire to the temple? Second Chronicles 7, they chanted, the Lord God, his steadfast love endures forever. If I want to know God intimately and I want to understand God, these are the things that God says, Michael, this is what I want you to know. And I want you to keep learning it until you take your last breath and then it's going to take an eternity to even glimpse my glory. It will take an eternity for us to continue to know God. He's so filled that, it, you know, it, it's going to take longer than I. So this is what we are to know. God's love, God's justice, and God's righteousness. Know that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. We're going we're gonna to read through these passages of Scripture, and then if we have time, share a few words. If not, we'll pick it up next week. 
And by the way, there are over a thousand of these that I could have, I could have pulled. Where what I'm doing is I'm simply bringing up Old Testament scriptures that, and one New Testament that will remind us how do we become intimate with God? Well, I'll tell you the, the end is passion. We're going to hit the word passion in a moment. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Isaiah, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. Now, we could, we could, a lot of these I could just stop on and we could have an entire class on the text. But I don't know, I love that, those last uh, five words. Names are important. That's why when I miss somebody's name in the church family, it, I feel so badly. Sometimes that brother and sister helps. Um, I call a lot of people brother and sister. But sometimes I just can't think of the name. And I, and I suspect those out there who have seen me struggle when I've approached you, I apologize for that. A, a man should know another, a friend's name. And the only way that we can know each other's name is to spend time together and be intimate. We're family. I know my family's name. I even know my granddaughter's boyfriend's names. God knows your name. Your name. <laughs> I, I don't know how, isn't that incredible, really? The God of the universe, omnipotent, and with all of my sin, cleansed by the blood of Christ, he knows my name is Michael. I don't know if, sometimes I remind him I go by other names. When I pray, now, Lord, this don't forget. I'm also wit. So, you know, on the other side, I don't care which name you choose, just I want to make sure you know my name. And, of course, I'm being a bit facetious. God knows our name. That the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by your name. And this is eternal life, that they know you. This is the prayer of Jesus. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent Genesis 4.1, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. I was going to talk about Debbie following this text. Uh, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. It's the word yada, yada. And it's, it's another, it, it's, it's taking it to the next level. Let me tell you, God doesn't want to date you only. He doesn't want to, for you just to know his name. He wants a ring, He wants to be your father, your husband, your God. Not just that you know God and, you know, gimme, 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 you're the Santa that I need to pray for for all my stuff. God wants an intimate relationship with you. How do we know that? Because the scripture is replete with it. 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses talk about what true koinonia is, true fellowship. And you'd think it would begin with brothers and sisters. It doesn't. It begins with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the closer I have fellowship, partnership, communion, koinonia, intimacy, the more I know Father, Son, and Spirit, the more I know Tim, if he's also seeking the same relationship. It doesn't begin here. It begins here. We need to know God intimately. 
This will take too long to go into, but I think I, I would like to touch on it next week, even though for those of you who have been in my classes of, of yesteryear, you've heard a lot of these things. I'm not going to give a whole series on it. But I'm telling you, worship is the most intimate moment for the family of God. For the collective family, what we did this morning is the, and it's designed that way. God designed it that way. It is the most intimate time we have. And that's why if you miss it, and if, then you miss the real intimacy. If you're out in the foyer and you miss it, you're missing the intimacy. It is critical for the collective family. No less than if you have your family with all of your five children and you're at the dinner table and the, and the kids want to eat by themselves at different times. You're missing a moment when the family connects. It's koinonia, it's communion. And if you miss it repeatedly, Every day of every week, of every month, of every year, children grow up not having intimacy with their own parents and siblings. It's critical, and the same thing is critical with the church. Okay, I'm going I'm to share this, and then we'll close. I think this is a good illustration of what I feel, this is, of what I believe we're going to be talking about for the next five or six Sundays. The elders, to their... Uh, wisdom, asked me uh, weeks and weeks and weeks, probably months ago, um, what, what, are, what are your criteria for, for the man who takes your place in the pulpit? And I shared my criteria. The staff, Andrew asked me privately, you know, hey, hey what, what do you think? Stacy all the time, Chuck and the others on the staff, Steve and a whole, everybody. And I've given everyone the same answer. I know, I understand that the shepherds need to have more than three criteria. And the staff may have far more than three. And there are more things to consider than the three that I have in mind. But for me, these are the, these are the criteria that leads to intimacy. The first one is, and by the way, this is the answer to the first, did I say it? God wants to know you. Do you want to know God? I don't have it there. I'll be... The, answer, the first lesson is passion. The first, I said there were three criteria. Oh, in the bottom. I even skipped the, that illustration. On a job resume, when I write a job resume, there are three parts of it, right? You write the, the word, res, you, you put words on a paper, and it tells you education, experience, family, and so Tim, as the employer, is going to be considering hiring a new accountant, and he wants to know, okay, let me have your resume. And this resume, simply on paper, tells Tim that this is what this man claims he's done, or woman. And then there are references at the end of the resume. These are people who can corroborate that what he's telling Tim, the boss, is absolutely true. But there's a third piece that's not on the resume. If your resume gets to the boss, and he likes what he reads, and he makes a few contacts, and they corroborate what he's reading, then comes the interview, and it's the interview that will either nail it or dismiss the candidate. God wants interview with you. He wants you. You've read his resume. You've seen God's resume. 
You, it's filled with references of his power and that what he says is the truth. Look at all the great heroes of the faith. Those are references. But it, it must not end there or you'll never know God intimately. You need the interview. And I think a lot of us have the resume down. We just don't. We've never had an interview. I told the elders, I think the first qualification of any preacher needs to be calling. Passion. There needs to be a passion. He needs to be called by God. How do you know that? Well, you only know it because that's all he can do. Not that you can't do other things to earn money, but it's a passion. Somehow, God is only going to call people, and that's where the shepherds have the very delicate balance to hear God's voice and put the two together. Passion is number one. Why? Because without passion, there's no intimacy. The second, by the way, for me is substance. I want to know somebody who's a Berean, not a Thessalonican. Now, I want to know, I want to have somebody in this pulpit who examines the scriptures daily, not who pulls out a cabinet on, on a, 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 a drawer on a filing cabinet and pulls out a sermon he preached 40 years ago. I want somebody who is absolutely in the word. And then third, I'd like to have good delivery. But of the three, the third is least important to me. Passion, calling, substance, delivery. And there are others that you guys have to work with. And I don't envy that. I pray for you. But I don't covet that decision. Okay. We're going to be doing that for the next several weeks. We are going to be uh, getting to know God, at least on paper. And so the question is, God wants, that's the exclamation, God wants to know you. Do you want to know God? Thank you for your attendance and online. And next Sunday, we'll pick up with the second, um, not step, but the second way that we can grow in intimacy with the Lord. And I'm going to kind of power this one home a little bit better next week. Okay? Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do give you the glory now and forever. And thank you so much, God, for revealing your presence through your holy word and through others and through the, the natural order of the universe. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us and being part of our lives, for saving us. And it is my prayer and the prayer of everyone within the sound of my voice that you will bless us, that you'll bless our nation this week. Hear us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.